Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. This summer, we're walking through the book of Romans, taking a master class from the rich and powerful book of the New Testament. Romans is one of the greatest books of the Bible. It is the essence of the gospel and provides the rich doctrine of our faith. Romans was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome, and God has used it to change the hearts of men and ultimately the world. In Romans, we see the impact of our sin, which reveals our deep need for God, and then the importance of living out our faith in Jesus today. Whether a lifelong student of the Bible to a first-time believer, this is a masterclass for everyone. Let's listen in. All right. Hey, good morning, everybody. Um, as I said earlier, my name is Brandon. I'm the college and young adults pastor um, at Rolling Hills, and it's a privilege to get to be here this morning um, with you guys. I don't know about you guys, but I've been loving this Roman series and walking through this book, and we're actually almost done now. We've got Romans 14 today, and the next week is 15 and 16, and we will be through the book of Romans, which is pretty cool um, uh, to say that we went so deep and dived into this masterclass um, together. But here's, here's how I want to start today. Have you ever found yourself arguing over something silly? If you're married, you know what I'm talking about. Um, like, for example, um, and my wife, Bridget, who is awesome, gave me permission to talk about this. Uh, <laughs> she loves a clean house. So do I. We have kids. So what happens a lot is the kids make messes. My wife wants it clean right away. And so what will happen, let's say my four-year-old will make this big mess with toys that he plays with all the time. And she'll be like, Brandon, do you have a minute? Can you clean that up? And I'll be like, yes, but if I clean it up now, he's going to get it back out in an hour. Then I'm going to have to clean it up again. Now I'm cleaning that up two times. So if I do it again, then he'll, he'll get it out for sure a third time, and I'll have to clean it up again. But if I wait till the end of the day... I can just clean it up once. It's simple cleaning efficiency at our house. And this is a simple disagreement that we have in our house and how we see things, right? Um, another one that maybe I, I think that most everybody will um, understand this, and this, this has to do with the toaster. Um, and I think every marriage has two people, a person that wants to leave the toaster on the counter and the person that wants to put it up in the cabinet after every use. In our house, my wife, of course, is the cleaner one. She wants to put it out after every use. My four-year-old asks for a toast like four times a day. I'm like, let's just leave it out. It's a really nice toaster. It's wide. It's got some gold trim, a nice little bee on it. Like, it's beautiful on the counter. We can leave it there. And, but she wants to put it up. And so this is like a simple disagreement. I just want to take a quick poll. I want to fill this out because I don't think anybody talks about this, but we should. We're talking about the important things today. How many of you want to put the toaster up after every use in the cabinet, okay? Quite a few. How many of you think you should just leave it on the counter in a nice way? Okay, well, seems like you guys are on my side. Good to know, all right. Today in Romans 14, this is what we're talking about. They're arguing over silly things that don't matter. Uh, secondary things, tertiary things, things that aren't primary, they aren't the main thing, but they're having these disagreements and divisions over these silly arguments. And so we're going to dive into scripture here in a second. Um, let me pray for us um, before we dive into God's word. God, thank you so much for who you are. We just pray today as we dive into your word. 
God, send your spirit to illuminate it for us. God, show us what you want us to learn. God, I pray for every single person in this room, including myself, whatever it is you have for us in scripture today, God, make it clear um, for us, God, help us to leave this place being more like you, for this church to be a more unified place, God, making everything about you and the gospel and what is important. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, before we jump into Romans 14, I'm actually going to backtrack um, a couple chapters for us. If you were here a few weeks ago uh, when we were talking about Romans 12, there was a pivotal like hinge in Romans 12 where the first 11 chapters of Romans was all like theology. It was all about the gospel and how it works and how it got to us. And then there's in Romans 12, you have the therefore, right? And then these last five chapters, Paul is exploring the kind of people we should become because of the gospel. And so we studied these 11 chapters of theology and now we have this therefore, this is how you should live. Here's, here's what it says as a reminder. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And so what this is talking about, and this is going to be important for Romans 14, I promise. What this is talking about is that because of those first 11 chapters, because of what you've heard in view of God's mercy, because all have sinned and fallen short of the God, glory of God, because of the wages of sin is death, because God demonstrates his own love for us in this, because all things work together for the good, because nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, because if you declare with your heart, Jesus is Lord, and believe that he rose from the dead, you will be saved, because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Therefore, offer your body as a living sacrifice. Now, here's the deal. This isn't just for Romans 12. This is the foundation for the next five chapters. Right? Like, if you, you remember, like, the original letter of Romans didn't have chapter headings and verses. When Phoebe would have stood up and presented this to the church, they would have read through the whole thing. It wouldn't have been like, all right, we'll see you next week for the next chapter. This would have read through the whole thing as one letter. And so this idea that because of who God is, because of the gospel, because of how much he loves us, we're going to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice applies. It's the foundation of everything else we talk about in Romans. So as we jump into Romans 14, here's your first point today. If you are a note taker, being a living sacrifice means life isn't about me anymore. Being a living sacrifice means life isn't about me anymore. It's a life of others first. It's a life of humility. And so here's the first verse, Romans 14, 1. We're going to be going through every single verse today, so buckle up. Verse 1, accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. Matters. Now, there's many reasons why someone's faith might be weak, right? They might be a baby Christian. Babies are weak. I have the strength of at least two babies. Um, they might be malnourished, right, like lacking um, God's word. They might be sick or diseased by a sin or legalism in their life. They might need to exercise, actually activate their faith in some way. But it, what we see in this, um, what's important for us to understand in our own sanctification journey, journey is that things that come easy for you might be really hard for somebody else and vice versa, right? And so, um, and then Paul says, 
without quarreling over disputable matters. I think this is important because what Paul is acknowledging here is that there are going to be things we disagree about. There are going to be things we disagree about, but that shouldn't lead to division. Because he's saying, except the one whose faith is weaker. So here's your next point. Our differences don't always have to turn into divisions. Our differences don't always have to turn into division. And notice I said don't always because there are doctrinal issues that we stand on as a church, right? If Pastor T comes back next week and decides that Jesus isn't the Son of God, that's going to be a pretty dividing issue around here. Pastor T's not going to do that. But you see what I'm saying. That is a main thing in Scripture, a foundation of our faith where it's very clear um, what the Bible says about this. What Paul is talking about here is that sometimes we're going to disagree on some secondary things, some smaller issues. And maybe they feel big in the moment, but they're not the main thing. They're not the gospel, the inerrancy of scripture or sin. All right, here's verse two. Let's keep on going. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. So now Paul is jumping into what the actual argument is about. It's about food. It's not really about food. It's a little bit bigger than that, right? It's about legalism. It's about rules. It's about how to be a good Christian. It's about grace. It's about freedom. It's about all of these different things. And it's, it's really funny because it's one of those things that we can look back on now. And I'm going to explain more of what they were arguing about in a second. But we can look back now and be like, man, what a silly argument and disagreement they were having. And we have a lot of those same disagreements that other people will look back on and be like, wow, they let that divide them? They, they let that silly secondary thing be an issue that would divide them. But here's what's actually happening with this argument. Some Jews were still eating meat because it was kosher. Uh, they stuck to their dietary regulations and traditions. They hadn't come to understand yet that because of Jesus, it wasn't about the rules and it didn't matter what you ate anymore. Um, but, I, man, I want to give these guys grace because imagine you have spent your entire life following this rule and believing that if you didn't, you were offending God. You would be reluctant to change too, right? Like if the city decided tomorrow, you can go on red lights. Listen, you're pulling up to that first red light. You're not just like gunning it, right? You're pulling up and you're like looking around like, all right, are other people going? Is there a camera? I still feel like this is wrong. Like it, you're going to be a little bit reluctant to change. Something else that's happening um, that was happening in Rome is that a lot of meat was being offered to idols. Um, now, idols didn't tend to eat very much. Um, so they would take that leftover meat and they would sell it at a discounted rate in the market. So Christians basically said, I'm not buying meat if it um, was tainted by being offered to an idol, right? And they're saying, I'm not going to do it. Other Christians are like, yeah, but idols aren't real. That's just meat that God made, and it's good, and I'm giving him thanks for it for this discounted rate. With either issue, Paul makes it clear it's the legalistic ones who are the weak ones in the situation, the ones stuck in legalism. But you know what's interesting is undoubtedly, those following the rules thought they were the strong ones. I guarantee you, both sides thought they were right. The ones who were like, we're following the rules, we're doing this right. We're the ones who've got this figured out, right? Both sides thought they were right. This is why it's important we stand on this foundation of being a living sacrifice and living humbly. Why? Because when we have disagreements, we're not always going to be right. 
we, we might find ourselves on the wrong side of an argument and not realize it till later that we were actually the weaker ones. Here's your next point. Humility helps us understand that we won't always be right. Humility helps us understand that we won't always be right. And that's okay. The truth is we're all going to get to heaven one day and realize that we were all wrong about a whole bunch of stuff. Right? We're, we're all going to find out that we were wrong about stuff one day. We don't know what that stuff is right now because we all think we're right. But one day we're going to find out, oh, really, I had that wrong? I read that wrong? I did that thing wrong? Like We're going to find out one day that we were all wrong in different ways. Verse 3. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. For God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. I love this line in verse 4. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? Like that's literally what we're doing when we judge people, when we judge other believers for whatever it is, right? Who, like, God's got this. We can take a step back. We're freed up just to, to love people. Who are we to judge someone else's? Sir, it's like, man, if you hired a crew to do a project at your house and I show up in your house and you're like, let me, let me micromanage this for a second. Let me judge who's doing this right, this project, how it's working. Like that would be weird on so many different levels, right? But this is what we do when we are judging someone else's servant. Every one of us, we're a servant to God, not to each other. You know, it's kind of like uh, when we do this, we're really saying, man, I should be their master. Like, God, I, I know you got this, but I feel like I could probably do a better job and a faster job. So let me step in between. I'll be the middleman and take care of this thing for you. And you can see, like, in this situation in Rome, how these two groups are judging one another, right? The legalist group is judging those who aren't following the rules, right? And the group who has found freedom from legalism is judging those who haven't yet. But it's... Man, it's like, what are we doing when we judge another believer? It's like, God, don't worry. I see it too. I see it, God. I know what. I'll take care of it. Let me get in a Facebook argument with them. That'll definitely show them the right way and help them change their ways. All right, let's keep going. Verse 5. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us live for ourselves alone and none of us die for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord for this very reason. Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and and the living. Here's your next point. The goal is to be uniform, unified, not uniform. The goal is for us to be unified, not uniform. Christians were never all meant to look and act alike like we're a bunch of Ned Flanders walking around. Howdy doody neighbor. Like no, God made every single one of us different. We're supposed to be different, look different, act different, different passions, different giftings, different ideas. When all of us lean into the way that God made us and his purpose for us, 
It doesn't look like we're all turning into the same person, right? Like if you were quirky before Christ, you're going to be quirky after Christ. And God's going to use those quirks for his glory. And that is okay. But we stay unified on the big things, that Jesus is our Savior, that he is the way to heaven, right? That the inerrancy of Scripture, that we stand on God's word as truth, that salvation is by grace through faith, not by works. And we show grace and love in the small things, right? The disputable things. Because we're going to have those things. We're going to have those toaster moments with people where we just see things a little bit different, At the end of the day, we all agree we should have a toaster. We need toast. There's lots of things though, right? Worship style differences, preaching differences, baptism differences, Calvinism versus Arminians. Um, You know, what order does the end times happen in? Where do you fall on political issues? These are all secondary things to the gospel of Christ and our purpose and mission here on earth. All right, here's verse 10. Let's keep moving. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account to ourselves, to God. Here's your next point. It might be my favorite one today. You have been freed from judging. You have been freed from from judging. You don't have to do that. You don't have to live in that place of worrying about other people living up to your standards. You have been freed from judging. I want to tell you a story about a kid named Romello Early. Um, One day at his school, Buffalo Creek Academy, he saw that one of his classmates was being bullied because of his shoes. He was overcome with emotion about this, and um, the dean of culture at Buffalo Creek basically said at this school, the culture is that, man, people look at your shoes before they even look at your face. It was a big deal to have good shoes. Early didn't like that. And so when he got, when he got home, he told his mom, he said, Mom, you can take away anything you're getting me for Christmas. You can take away my allowance. I just want to get him some shoes. Nobody deserves to get put down based on a pair of shoes that he's eventually going to grow out of. So Early's mom was moved by her son's compassion um, that she granted his request. And so the next day, Early shows up and gives his new friend a pair of $135 Nike shoes that he used with his own money that he saved up for. It made him happy um, to see that big smile on his face. When Brown saw Anderson smiling with the new box of shoes and early smiling next to him, he, he took a photo. This eventually went viral, inspired, inspired tons of local goodwill. They ended up being on different TV shows and all these cool things came from it. But man, what I love about this story is that when everybody else was judging this kid because of he couldn't afford shoes, this one kid said, no, let me be a living sacrifice. Let me take my own money. Let me talk to my mom about taking away Christmas presents so that I can get this kid shoes. We don't have to judge. We don't have to judge. We don't have to get angry at other people not living up to our standards. Uh, We don't have to judge someone else's servant. God has got that and he has freed us from having to do that. Being a living sacrifice, living humbly in this way leads us to not judge others because we know it's not our place. 
We know that's not what God has called us to do. Now, I, I do want to say, I'm not saying there isn't a place to hold a brother or sister accountable. Because there is definitely a place for that. But we do that in love, right? You can do that without uh, judging. You can go to a friend and say, man, I see you slipping and I'm worried about you. And you can have that conversation in love without judging someone where you're picking somebody up, not putting them down. We've been freed from having to judge. Verse 13, therefore let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good to be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. So in this passage, we see a new directive from Paul. Make up your mind not to be a stumbling block or obstacle to anybody. Right, like you, you may be free to drink alcohol in moderation, right? But, but if you have a friend who struggles with alcoholism, then you may be free, but it would be incredibly selfish for you to drink around them and you would become a stumbling block if you're there. So you may have that freedom, you may have that right, but it doesn't mean that you should use it if it's going to hurt somebody else. Here's your next point. Put, your, put people above your preference. Always put people above your Preference. The kingdom of God isn't about rules. It says at the end of that, it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. This is what people should say about us wherever we are. Man, when I see that person, man, I feel peace when they're around, and I just see the joy of the Holy Spirit coming out of them. Is this the way you're living your life? Do people see that joy in you? Verse 19, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It's better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So Paul has already made it clear early in this chapter that the person in the wrong was the legalistic person. They were the weaker brother and sister. But now he's going to come back at the end of the chapter and say, but listen, if it's going to cause someone to stumble, just let it go. Just don't do it. Put the person above your preference. Don't let someone, it goes all the way to say, do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. And so for us, man, like don't destroy the work of God for a preference. For you, don't destroy the work of God for a secondary issue. Don't destroy the work of God to win an argument. Don't destroy the work of God for politics. Don't destroy the work of God for fill in the blank for whatever secondary issue that might be. Verse 19 tells us make every effort to do what leads to peace. Can you say that about yourself? Are you making every effort to do what leads to peace? To peace, And sometimes we can't make peace. In fact, in Romans 12, we saw, right, it says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Sometimes it doesn't depend on us. But if it does, we should be the ones always bringing 
peace. We have a calling as believers to make and keep peace whenever we can. Verse 22. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. I don't know if you guys have ever uh, read their book or heard about The Crazy Cycle by Emerson um, Egritz. If you have it's a marriage book. It really all comes from like Ephesians 5. It basically is this. It's really pretty smart. It, it's that men want respect and women want love. And so when men don't feel respected, they don't show love. And when women don't feel love, they don't show respect. And this cycle happens, right, in marriages. And what, it, what he says is someone's got to break the cycle. And so what he says is whoever the most mature person in the relationship is, they need to be the one to apologize first. Which is funny because everyone in there is like, oh, well, that's me. I'm definitely the more mature one in the relationship, right? But I think that fits here too, right? Like if, there's, if, if you're having some disagreements with somebody, if you don't have peace with someone in your life right now, man, the stronger believer needs to be the one to apologize first, to be the one to go and make peace. Church, we need to be a church that keeps peace, that refuses to, to judge, but instead just loves and serves people, to be that living sacrifice that God has called us to be. You know, every single believer, like we are all called, we are a citizen of heaven, right? Like that is our home. We are a citizen of heaven that God has made in his image. Like you were made for a purpose, on purpose. You are on mission here on this earth and Christ wants to conform all of us to be more like him. So I don't know where you're at today. I don't, everyone comes in with different relationships and different things that they are dealing with. But maybe that today you need to forgive somebody. Maybe today you need to make peace with somebody. Maybe you need to be the more mature one and, and go apologize and make peace for whatever type of thing is going on in your life. Wherever you are today, I want you to make it a priority. And in view of God's mercy, because of the gospel, because of what Jesus did for us, Man, let's go out and let's be a living sacrifice for others. I want you to, if you would, close your eyes and bow your head for a second. I'm actually, I want to read you a prayer that Jesus prayed in John 17. And it's a prayer that he prays for all believers for, for unity. And so I just want to pray this over you today. It says this, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory which you have given me. For you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you. And these have known that you sent me, and I have made your name known to them. And will make it known so that in that the love with which you love me may be in them 
and I in them. God, we pray today, we thank you for who you are, God. God, we thank you for those first 11 chapters of Romans, God, for the gospel, for who you are, for what you have done for us, for the fact that you have forgiven us more than we could ever possibly imagine, God. God, I pray today that if there is someone in this room who is struggling in relationship, that isn't living in peace with someone, God, that you would help bring peace to that situation. God, I pray for every single one of us that you would you would guide us, you would allow us, God, you would give us the humility to be able to walk in peace with everyone, God. That when people would look at us, they would see your joy, they would see your love coming through us, God. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Share this episode with friends and family in your life. Make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you are interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.